welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 12 of SNL with host J.J. Watt and musical guest Luke Combs. I'm Steve Finn, and I'm joined this week by my state-appointed straw sponsor, John Murray. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make this cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, let's get into it. We get our next feature, actually our first from Ego, which is Mm -hmm. great. It's Dr. Angie Hines, a professor of African-American studies at Rutgers University, sharing some highlights on some lesser known historical figures for Black History Month. Are we happy to see Ego at the desk? I was super happy to see Ego, and I just wish that she'd had something slightly stronger to debut because I was so happy when they wheeled her out. I'm like, great. Ego's finally, you know, got something for the desk to air and I'm so happy to see what she can bring. And I felt like this needed to be a little bit larger than life. She played it caddy, right? Like she was good at, you know, knocking down these people that have wronged her. That part was good, but I felt like the character itself, I think they had a really great opportunity to make this African-American studies person from Rutgers a little bit more of a caricature of that cliche. I feel like if she'd put 25% more Claire Huxtable in her voice and 25% more like Maya Angelou in her voice, that she could have been that person that we've all heard interviewed so many times on NPR, you know, like someone that they're so into their study that they've taken on that calm, majestic, persona like there, there's something very i don't know just impressive about like a, a powerful black woman in that position and i've seen that person interviewed or uh, on round tables or whatever it is I, i've seen those kind of academics and i feel like if ego had found that a bit more and had really dialed that in it could have been really impressive because i think people would have picked up on what she was doing without maybe putting their thumb quite on what it was, but I feel like there was a really great character there and she just, she just came in just a little bit under it. Well, I think she was avoiding that intentionally. You think so? This whole bit is a professor who's essentially off duty. You know, this is the weekend. So we are seeing her on her spare time, Ah, not being the academic. I reject your hypothesis, Steve. They should not have framed her as Dr. Angie Hines, professor of African-American studies, if they weren't going to make her uber into that. That's the whole point, because professors are people, too. But then you got to go 180 degrees in the other direction. You, you, can't, you can't play it down the middle. You got to either be like so casual and like so valley girl that it's a contrast to what you would have expected that character to be, or you have to lean into it and be so much that character that when she is so like unsophisticated that every little offense in her life has her come out swinging, then you've got a character that is jumping from both sides and, you know, really saying something and drawing a contrast that's comedic and fun to watch. But if she's 
underplaying the calm, respectable part of the character, then it's not as funny to see her drop into aggressive swinging mode. I don't know. I just came at this from a completely different angle from you. And I think it was the angle they intended because I see this as something brilliant. I see it. Someone come out that you would expect to give a lecture on their paper on Paul Robeson and their effect on early 20th century entertainment. That's what you expect her to talk about. And then she's wrapped up in the drama of urban lifestyle. Yeah, but the the contrast isn't there. A, A typical professor is not enough of a contrast from just a typical modern black woman who happens to be, you know, harboring a lot of grudges. There isn't enough contrast there for it to be really funny when she switches modes. You need to see Dr. Hines take a breath before she assumes this persona and be more of an heir of academia to sell this dichotomy. I need Ego to come out and project the idea that she is so far above the fray that the second she gets petty and vindictive, you're like, where did that come from? Like, that's hilarious. Huh. Because she could have changed up her voice. She could have dropped right out of dignified black woman mode and gotten real street and got, you know, real aggressive. And it could have been so much more fun if there was more contrast there. Okay. And I am so sure I'm right. Fine. <laughs> fine. You'd be sure. I am making a call to anyone listening to chime in on this. I think this is a perfect part of the show to provide some feedback on. I'd love to hear okay. what people think. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, I would love to hear what everyone has to say about this because this is something that people are going to take different ways based on their their viewpoint. Yeah, I just, I really wanted an unqualified win for Ego. I think that's really what I'm saying here. I just, I, I wanted a slam dunk. Okay, that's great. And I'm glad we got this for her. Even if it's not exactly what you wanted, John, I'm sure you're still happy to see Ego get some screen time. I was happy that she got it on air and it was good. It really was good. Yeah, I just, I wanted something that people were talking about the next day. Remember when Bowen Yang did Chen Biao the first time? That was, you know, the highlight of the week. It was like our moment of the night, our MVP, like it made the show for us in so many ways. And I just, I really wanted that for Ego. And I, I just don't think it quite got there. But well, we better move on because we need the next four hours to dissect Pilot Hunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and that's our next sketch, Pilot Hunk. All right. Yet another Bachelor type show. Hope you like these. He's a big boy pilot with 30 sobbing hannas to choose from, whatever that means. Yeah, he makes the plane go fast. Yeah. He makes the plane go fast. Yeah. What'd you think of this? Are we happy to see this old favorite again? Oh, I am happy to see it, but it also says pretty clearly this is a sketch they usually trot out when they need something pretty easy to slot a host into that may or may not be able to drive a sketch. This is something that is kind of, yeah, just kind of easy. And even if one of the girls don't land a joke, they're shuffled out so quick that it, it kind of regains its energy. It's very hard to derail the sketch. And so yes. I feel like it's a safe bet for this kind of a host. That said, I thought he did really good. The way that, you know, he's very casually explaining, oh, I like that. or Oh, that's hot or whatever. Um, The way he was delivering those lines was was kind of selling it. Like I I thought he was actually doing a solid job in his role as much as that's a very safe role. I I appreciated that, that he did as well as he did. And to have your, um, your twin sister on the back of your shoulder, like that Chloe Feynman joke, that was something we haven't seen in the sketch before. So I like that. They are trying to bring in some new weird things for the girls to do. I liked it. I'm, I'm giving it thumbs up. I was actually getting some good laughs out of this. Me too. First I was groaning 
because right. we've seen this so many times yep. and it's always the same thing. This is pretty much no exception to that, but JJ surprisingly ended up being one of the best bachelors yet <laughs> yes. for these sketches. Yeah. Blake Shelton had nothing on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this football player, just this dumb jock energy that he's able to channel. <laughs> sure. It works so well. It, it, in this. it fits the role. It fits it the role. For fits sure. so well. And the way that he's just repeating that line. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it is way too effective for how <laughs> simply stated it is. He's tapped into something brilliant and you know, we know that he's not a professional comedian or actor. Mm -hmm. This is something that he just came across that he was able to pull off and do in a way that actually played to high quality laughs. Yeah. I kind of feel like with the number of women that they have in the cast right now and having a host, like you said, that just has that, you know, dumb jock energy. I feel like this may be the quintessential bachelor sketch. Like this might be the classic incarnation of this because they had everything that they've ever established for this sketch on display and it was just all working really well. So I feel like this one really holds its own. Yeah. And like you said, I like Chloe getting to be weird. That seems yep. to be more and more her thing as time goes on. Some of those jokes landed the 30 year old Melissa Villasenor, 80 being a brunette and having to explain <laughs> yeah. herself. Apologize for it. Yeah. And yeah, after groaning, I find myself quoting Every single girl in the sketch, I like this. Yeah. Surprisingly fun. How about we talk about porno pizza men? Very good. Let's do it. A rare glimpse into the world of porn after all the fun stuff is over. Now, yeah. this is something to watch. What did we think of this, John? I really like this idea. When they opened up, I thought, okay, this is going to be a retread of the sketch from the Chance the Rapper episode where... Chance and Heidi are kind of like in a porno with pizza and right. then um, 80s, like, you know, the kid that's kind of the interloper on the scene. I thought we were getting one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be retried on that, but this is a funny idea that that old cliche of seventies porn being that, you know, the pizza guy uh, is always willing to accept alternate forms of payment for the pizza. Well, what's his boss have to say about that? When this guy comes back, you know? <laughs> odorifus and without money uh i think that that is a hilarious idea that yeah he comes back and is oblivious to the fact that he's ruining his boss's business right that's great <laughs> that is that fun little what if you know what if we step outside of this reality and we you know pick it apart and find out you know where it falls down so this is great and the 70s aesthetic and the clothes and the filter they put on the screen and the grimy pizza shop Everything about this was super smart. And I'm just kind of wondering why wasn't this a little earlier? Cause I, I think this had legs. I like this. I thought it was great for mm. sure. For all the reasons you were saying, this is why porn logic is something that they can get away with because the cameras stop rolling. Yes. After there's all... no world outside of those cardboard sets. Exactly. After, after right. all the copulation is over, <laughs> you don't watch anymore, but if you were, you know, all of the abandonment of responsibility, right. that's going to fall on someone, right? That yep. someone is going to get the shaft. No pun intended. I think there was pun intended there. Maybe a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, if you constantly don't accept payment <laughs> for your services, how long are you going to keep your pizza job there guy? Yeah. yeah. So somebody is going to have a problem with this. And I think that was just a beautiful thing to explore. It yep. certainly didn't hurt that we had amazing lines like shellfish and karate class. Yes. <laughs> that was some of the most astute and all too accurate description 
of what that might smell like. Right. And we got Big Willie's Pizza Shop. We come where yep. you ask. Because they're still in the porn verse, right? Like everything is still going to be an innuendo, even if this is the, the poor guy that's tangential to the scene. Even that was well thought out. There was some depth. There were some layers. This was fun. This was so fun. Absolutely. It's nice to explore the porno verse a little <laughs> yes, more deeply. The porno verse. That's what we should dub that. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, PCU. So that's, uh, that's the whole show. We're there done. You go. That's our rundown. That's our rundown ran down. So let's get into the main meat of it all. How about we talk moment of the night? Uh, I think this is pretty easy in a, in a night that didn't have a whole lot of moments. I was really, really caught off guard when Alex Moffat pulls the nose tape off at the end of the oil of Olay eye blacks ah. tape. That was just painful to watch. He obviously, you know, sold it. Like that was a, a genuinely painful sounding scream that he throws out there as he's doing it. And yeah, just the idea of ripping off a scab or you've got a broken nose and you're just jarring it. It, it hurts to watch. And in that is the surprise that can lead to a serious laugh. And it caught me. It, it really got me. So that was a big laugh for me. That was great. My moment of the night is going to JJ's Madden avatar. Okay. From the voiceover sketch. <laughs> yeah. I just love that they did him so dirty straight to his face. <laughs> yes. That was such a hideous 3D model. The way they screwed up his face, the, yeah. the pierced belly button, and the way that he was just moving from the hips before he started the floss was right. just so unsettling. <laughs> and I love that they just did that right in True. front of their host, right in front of this guy they've invited onto the show. They did him so dirty and he was such a good sport about it. That's a fun moment. And you're right. Yeah. His belly had kind of like a, a stanky tat and a belly button <laughs> ring. And they just made his shape a little more ogreish. Like there's, there's nothing like cut about the, the character. And they made his face straight up deformed. Yeah. And then they gave him, yeah, the Goonies face. It was bordering insulting. <laughs> That's what I loved about it. They, they definitely let the effects team go to town on that little bit of video. <laughs> and you're right. That was fun. Solid moment. I can get on board with that. What's your best sketch though? My best sketch is going to be Porno Pizza Man. I felt like Porno Pizza Man was a really funny idea. The idea that there's consequences to these situations that would come up in a 70s porn, that somebody eventually is going to have to pay the tab for these pizzas that get ruined in <laughs> in some messy off-screen scenario. This This poor guy back at the pizza parlor cooking the books, trying to figure out why he's going out of business. And it's all because he hired this hunky guy that he's the talk of the town. Everybody wants a pizza from him, but nobody wants to pay. I just like that as an idea. I think that's just a really, really strong premise for a sketch. And I like the way they presented it. I thought the look of it was great. I thought everybody performed it admirably. So yeah, that is, I think, solid sketch comedy. Smart enough, stylistic enough, and well-performed, well-rounded. And to see that as the 10 to 1, I think that was the best way we could have left off this show. That's great. And you almost had me convinced. I'm still <laughs> going to pick food dudes. Okay. I thought this was brilliant, mainly in how bad of a job the product does. Sure. This is where the brilliance in this is because, you know, when it picks up a wing and starts chewing, it's in no way convincing. The voice that it modulates is in no way anywhere close to a natural speaking voice. And yet, Within this commercial that was obviously made by the people who were selling this product, everybody's convinced. Everybody says, oh, 
this is totally a bunch of real people. Yeah. Keenan being totally freaked out by it was a, another great take on it. I loved everything about this fake commercial. And like you said, it was for a different episode. So I'm glad they brought it back. Fair enough. MVP. I think this is a Mikey day week, not because, you know, he had a showstopper moment, but because he got a lot of stuff produced. I think that him and Streeter's particular voice and their approach to writing was particularly fitting for this kind of a host. And so I, I think that, you know, they're, they're the two dude writers. So it makes sense that, you know, they were going to kind of be in their element a bit with this show. And so we, we did get a lot from him. I would have liked, you know, a really stunning moment that would have sold me on an MVP where I didn't even have to think about who it should be. But I think overall, you know, he was in the majority of the material and obviously, you know, he's always doing a lot to produce and write behind the scenes. So I think that this show is as good as it ended up being in no small part because, you know, Mikey day was probably in his element this week. I like your pick. That's a respectable one. I'm actually going with ego. I really enjoyed her weekend update bit. And I was really happy to see her get a little bit of screen time, carry the show for a while. I thought she did great. I love the character. I love the idea. I thought she did really well with it and it really played to her strengths. I so wanted to give it to her. Like I was itching to give her MVP. I just feel like as her first update piece, this one just didn't knock me over the way that I was really hoping. Maybe that's because Bowen Yang set a high bar when he did his first Chen Biao, but I was rooting for her. I was looking for any excuse to give it to her because I was proud of her for getting it produced. Yeah. I just, I felt like it just wasn't quite what it could have been. And that's why, you know, I, I looked elsewhere, but I respect it because honestly, that's what I wanted to be able to say tonight. Okay. I'll let you say that, but now we got to move on. <laughs> okay. So on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? Just barely decent. There was nothing that crashed and burned, but there was nothing that got out of decent territory. This was a surprisingly steady show for an unproven host, but. It was a safe show and it wasn't a show that took a whole lot of risks with the host in particular. And it was a show that offered, you know, some retread material and some conventional material and, uh, some material that, you know, is, it's more hung on potty humor than anything terribly brilliant. We did have a few good sketch premises, but nothing, nothing that I can say takes this out of decent range. So yeah, right down the middle. This is a decent. I agree. I think we got a decent. Yep. For most of the things you're saying, that rings true for me as well. I feel that we have a cast right now that's able to support a non-performer host in a very effective way while still giving them the spotlight and allowing them to pick up and absorb some of those laughs. Yep. But taking away the real risks so that they can play it safe and be comfortable up there. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, this elevated up above your typical athlete-led Uh, show from the past sure and coming off of an adam driver episode where we have you know a much different host a host that's an actor first of all and someone who's actually pretty adept to the snl an adventurous show where they're they're taking risks and they're leaning on the host it it, it was definitely a different kind of show right so coming off of that you really see what kind of a difference that makes Mm -hmm. but the cast was right there to keep it all together and i think they help hold this together so well. And they take that risk. You know, JJ is going up there, trusting these guys to make them look good. Yeah. Now, obviously 
he's down to, to play around and poke fun at himself. We saw that in the Madam 21 sketch and the monologue. But yeah, he is a commodity. And he's handing that over to SNL for an hour and a half. And that's a big thing to honor, basically. Yeah, it's it's a leap of faith on his part. And in return, I have to say he conducted himself admirably. He was solid. He did exactly what he needed to do. The show did their part to handhold him and get him from point A to point B, but he never checked out and he never winked and he never grimaced at, oh, I flubbed a line and now I'm just, I, I'm done with this. He was really game and he really handled himself well. He and did. I do respect that. For these kind of shows where you're expecting something's going to go wrong, he really did impress in just how game he was. And he... Even if a host comes without a whole lot of performance chops, I respect when they still come to play. And I got that from him. So I'm going to give him solid thumbs up. Same here. Thumbs up for me. That's all I got to say on the show. How about you? That's all I got. All right. Let's call it there. Thanks to John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons. Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, Donald Yates, Zachary Phillip, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host RuPaul and musical guest Justin Bieber. But until then, this has been episode number 102 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Steve Finn, and I am... Out of here!